Welcome to Model Minority Moms, where we talk about the meaning of success in career, family, and life. We are Jeanette Park, Kate Wong, and Susan Liu, Harvard classmates and Asian American working moms who get real about the pressures of fitting in while standing out. Greetings, greetings, another episode of Model Minority Moms. Today, we are going to talk about the O pair like omg do i want a person living in my house who's hot and younger and doesn't have the the scar tissue that i have that has no emotional baggage and is helping my family make my life easier or making my life harder like when should i even get no pair like what should i actually be looking out for what should i even expect how much does this all cost how does this all go down should i choose latin america europe like i i don't know this is like a pretty big question because it seems really awesome, but all the movies always make me think that I should think twice. So today, let's just talk all about it. Give me all the considerations because I've never actually done the research for this. Maybe it would make my life better, but maybe not. Yeah. So anyways, I just want to put it all out there because I know we're all at different stages. I've never even researched this. Kate's considering. Uh, Jeanette has researched. I'm on au pair number two. Yeah. And we also have friends who... Tell us things on the DL. So let's just get real and, and and get to it. All right, friends, au pair, yay or nay? When should you even consider? So, okay. So let, can I just run down the logistics of getting an au pair? Please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Checklist me now. Okay. So I feel like the movies make it always seem like there's an au pair who's like French who comes and she's basically Mary Poppins or something, right? I mean, I think the reality is a little bit different. So here's just the logistics, right? So the au pair program is actually a U.S. State Department program. Okay. So oh, it's I didn't like, know that. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's run actually on the federal level and it's kind of meant as like a child care program, but also it's supposed to have a cultural exchange and an educational component to it. I have no idea where it really came from. Like, did some senior diplomat just think that this would be a great idea? Or, or I don't know what the origins are, but, but this is the way the program is set up. And so the State Department sets up the criteria for how this program should run. So some basic criteria are there is a stipend that you have to pay. The host family has to pay the au pair every month. Right now, that's about $200 a week. They also set a cap on the number of hours the au pair can work, which is 45 hours a week. And then there's also some other requirements about the schedule. So I think the au pair cannot work more than 10 hours a day and they need to have at least a day and a half contiguously off in a given week. And in a given month, they have to have a full weekend off. So there's some requirements vis-a-vis the schedule. And then there's also like requirements like generally what the au pair is helping out with has to be related to your children. So there's some very clear things that you sh- you cannot ask them to do, like you know, do the full car wash or deep clean your house or move furniture or do yard work. But I would say, at least in my reading of it, there's a little bit of a gray area. Like if they go grocery shopping and most of the things that they get are food for your kids, but like if, what if they pick up, can you ask them to pick up a couple of extra things that are not strictly for kids? Where does that fall? So I would say that there's a bit of a gray area there. I think that some reasons why families choose to have au pairs are, you know, first of all, in compared to many places in the country, it's like pretty cheap, right? $200 is the minimum stipend. And I think that my impression is like, that's what most au pairs are paid. Of course, on top of that, you have to provide a separate room for them and you have to provide food, but still all in all for a lot of families, like it's financially pretty economical. And then the other thing is like the program doesn't set any caps or there's no change in rate, even if you have more kids. So some of the au pairs that I've interviewed who are looking to do their second year and have already done their first year are taking care of many children, like three or four children, you know, and they're getting paid the same amount that they would if they were taking care of one kid. So I think that, you know, I mean, and it kind of makes sense, right? If you're a family with many children, then the economics like become even more attractive to have an au pair. Let's see. Oh, and then the way the State Department runs it is that they 
basically outsource the kind of recruiting of au pairs and the matching process and kind of the oversight of the program to a couple of agencies. These are mostly, I think, I think most of them are nonprofits, but some of them are might be for profit. And I think there's like two big ones. Cultural care is one of them. And I think like au pair in America is another big one, but there's a bunch of other smaller ones as well. And what these folks do is they go out to different countries, you know, many in Latin America, many in Europe, some in Asia, some in African countries, mainly South Africa is what I've seen. And they go out and recruit young people. And I would say like 90 plus percent of the pool are young women to 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 join the au pair program. And then they do an initial screening for, you know, their like a background criminal screening. They have to have some minimal amount of childcare experience, right? It doesn't have to be like they have a degree in in childhood education, but it might be like they worked at a daycare or they have ex they worked as a nanny or they have like extensive experience like you know working in with kids at their church. So they do some level of screening there and then they put them on their website and then families who sign up with the agency can start screening and interviewing candidates. And then there's also a program cost for that too. So I think like there's some nominal cost, maybe like $75 just for being able to look at candidates. And then once you match, you have to pay the agency about eight or $9,000. So it ends up being, you know, about, uh, I would say like 16, dollars to $2,000 a month, like overall cost. But you know, that still ends up being like, you know, let's say compared to getting 45 hours of help in Seattle, like that, it's still a lot cheaper, right, to to get an au pair, but it, but it also depends on how you factor in the housing and the lodging cost. So, so that's it. I'll just pause there and see if you guys have any questions. So wait, like, is this like Teach for America where it's like they come for one year and then re renew for two years and the two years is a is a reflection that it was a great experience for everyone and then that's it? Or could you have an au pair, the same au pair for like five years or like? No, so I think they come, so they come on a au pair visa and they, the visa is initially for one year and then they have to, and then they can renew. I think if the, I'm not sure who decides, but like, I think all parties have to decide, like the au pair has to decide they want to renew for another year. I think the agency has to also decide that this person seems like a good candidate for a family for another year. And the au pair can choose to stay with the same family. Or what I've seen is that most au pairs do want to find another family, maybe in a different area of the country, because the motivation, at least my impression, is for a lot of the young women participating is that they want an experience of living in the United States and they want to experience different parts of the U.S. So, you know, oftentimes they'll live with one family for one year and then they'll go to a different family for another year. But then after the, I think two years is the max that they can do on the au pair program. And, you know, while they're with your family, it's the cultural component of it is like, you know, you're supposed to, you know, share like family meals with them and, if you go on vacation, you're supposed to maybe you don't have to invite them on everything, but like you're, you are supposed to share that those kinds of family experiences, even outings and vac some vacations with the au pair. And there's some other requirements too, like they the au pairs get two weeks of paid vacation every year. So, oh, and then, you know, yeah, some like other miscellaneous costs, like there's like they have to take a certain number of credits. It's, it doesn't take like too much time, but they have to be enrolled in some kind of school for some of their time here in the U.S. And so you pay like $500 towards that. Wow. So you're not taking on affordable care. You're actually kind of taking on a family member. Yeah. Like they become your family. Yeah. It's like, it's like a pseudo family member, you know? And I think the way that I, you know, have now been thinking about it is like, if you had suddenly a much older daughter living in your house, right? And and you are responsible for, so like for our au pairs on top of the stipend and housing and lodging, I pay for the cell phone plans and they use our family car. Of course, we have a certain set of rules around that, but you know, they have access to these things. They can eat anything out of the fridge. You know, when we go grocery shopping, like they, you know, within reason, they can add things that they want. So it is like having a kind of another family member for at least a year. You know, obviously it comes with these externally imposed rules. And in some ways there's an aspect of it where 
you know, you are also, you have this kind of range of money and services, right? But, but it is, it's a little bit of a hybrid. Well, my question for you is, because, because Jeanette, you have one right now and you had one previously, right? Yeah. So you've gone through this process twice now. Yeah. So, and the first one, we actually, it was kind of under extreme circumstances, but it also ended up not working out. So we, when we had our daughter, Ruth, we had her in August, 2020, so, you know, six months after lockdown started and all daycares were still shut down or most of them. Um, we had a nanny we were working with before, but she didn't want to comply with our COVID requirements. Like she still wanted to take the kids to museums and take them on buses. And at that point in time, we just weren't comfortable with it. So we had a no pair who we matched with, but the pool, I would say, was like extremely thin because at that time, the, the federal government also put a pause on new au pair visas. So there were no new au pairs coming into the country. So you could only pick from people who were already in the U.S. and who were renewing for a second year. And so the pool was like, like I said, really thin. And there was like a lot of competition between families to get a no pair. So we actually ended up paying this person more than double the minimum stipend. And she came, but, you know, and I, we outline what our quote house rules are, I think very clearly inter including our expectations for like COVID related stuff. And I would say it just wasn't very good. You know, this person, she was like a little older, maybe in her early twenties, she was from South Africa and there was nothing that was like overtly like super bad from the beginning, but I would say she just didn't really connect with Ruth. Like Ruth just cried all the time. It didn't seem like they they ever really like enjoyed being with each other. And, and so there was that aspect of it. But the thing that ultimately led to the break, and this was like only after two, two and a half months or so, is that she broke our COVID protocols and then she didn't tell us. Like, so I think essentially there was a hard break in trust there. And the way we found out was my husband, you know, Jake, who is basically the polar opposite of a suspicious type. Like I am the suspicious type. He is the golden retriever type. But for some reason, he decided he he was just checking our our, our Nest door cam, a doorbell camera, the footage. And so we don't have cameras like inside the house where the au pair, you know, in her room or anything like that. We just have one facing our front door. And he noticed that she had left late, like a few days before she had le left the house late at night. And it appeared that she did not return until early next morning. And she didn't tell us. We did have a curfew, which is a common thing that a lot of host families have for their repairs. And we also had the requirement that, you know, she doesn't eat out at restaurants, indoors, she doesn't visit other people's houses. And when we asked her about it, she pretty much came out and said, like, yeah, I met somebody, I, I went to a bar, I was hanging out there, I met somebody, I spent the night at this person's house, and I came back. And, and I think after that, I was kind of like, okay, we're done. So that so that's called a break. So she actually did end up rematching with another family in Austin, Texas. So she went and and then with Ruth, we kind of juggled care between me and my mom for a couple of months. And then daycares kind of started reopening and she joined Isaiah at the care center that that they are now. And we're pretty that's I think that's been a pretty good situation. But yeah, so it's been almost two years, you know, since we had our last au pair, but we decided to look at it again recently because my mom was after 12 years of living with us, we had kind of mutually decided that she would move out for a variety of reasons, but one of them being my brother needed some help down in LA. So she was, it was eventually decided that she was going to move down there. But I decided with Jake traveling at times and with still, you know, even though the kids are at care eight hours a day, there's still a lot to do outside of those times, like the kids' laundry, tidying up after them, preparing meals and snacks for them that I felt like we could still use some help. And so we looked at it again. The visa program is back to normal now. You know, there's new au pairs coming. So the pool was back to normal. And I probably looked at, I would say like mm, 30 or 40 profiles. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And then I probably messaged maybe like 
a dozen. And then I talked to probably like five or six candidates. And then we landed at this person that we have now, who's been with us for just a few weeks. But, but, but yeah, I mean, it's like the person gets here, you try to make them feel welcome. I had to take a day off to drive with her to get her cell phone set up, get her bank account set up, you know, and all of that. And then, you know, show her how our household runs, make a task list so that she kind of knows what's expected. I'm hopeful that this time around that this will be a good fit for her and for us. But yeah, but we're still in like early days. So I'm optimistic, but but I'm also kind of like a optimistic skeptic. So I mean, I feel like ask me in six months and we'll see <laughs> where we are. But that's kind of my experience with au pairs. And, you know, and, and since then, we've talked to a lot of other families who've had au pairs and asked them about their experiences. And I can talk a little bit more about that, too, you know, because yeah. I feel like that's that's also interesting. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, first off, wow, this is like another world slash you're kind of dating like you're like you're. You're, you're like swiping right on these people oh, yeah, and then totally. interviewing them. And then like, then you, it's like, it's like in your twenties when you're trying to find a roommate on Craigslist, it's like a leap of faith. You're like, okay, let's come into my life, you know, and, and, and I'm going to fold you in. And it's, it's such a big decision. Cause on the outside, I was like, oh, it's like cheap care. Cool. And then now I'm like, well, this sounds really complicated. Curious, Kate, I I'm wondering about you and your friends, any all au pair horror stories what do you what have have been going on in the, in your circle of friends on the DL about well, au pairs yeah I mean I think I have a few friends who have had au pairs one friend actually has had I think like five four or five au pairs so she's a very experienced au pair host and I mean there aren't so specific horror stories so much as I realized just talking to people that I think it's best not for me personally, I would never rely on an au pair for exclusive care of a child. I know Jeanette back like in 2020, you guys didn't have much choice, but I think like I, I, I would go for another option. The reason being is that, so I spoke to my friend's au pair recently. She's, she's actually, I think she's a really great au pair. Although according to my friend of all the au pairs she's had, this au pair is only like, is not even the best, but I think she's awesome. I'm like, wow, she actually likes kids. Like she's so fun. And she's like a unicorn. She's from Panama, but she speaks Chinese, Mandarin, Spanish, English, and like a bunch of other Chinese dialects. I know. Anyway, so Wait, she's Chinese Panamian. Yeah. She's Panamanian. Chinese. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. And my, our, our friend's family is they're half Chinese, half Indian or half Taiwanese, half Indian. Sorry, not Chinese, half Taiwanese, half Indian as well. And their daughter, their kids speak Chinese. So it's actually like perfect situation. But anyway, I was asking this au pair who I really like, and I was like, Hey, so like, tell me more about au pairs, you know, like, and, and she basically, one thing she said just shocked me, but then and apparently I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. She said, well, you know, like actually a lot of au pairs don't even like kids. And I was yeah. just like, what? <laughs> I was like, isn't that like the premise that they're supposed to come out, come over and like hang out with kids? And she's like, no, I think a lot of them just want to come to the US and like, you know, they're just not that interested in kids. And I was like, what about you? She's like, oh, I like kids. And she's like, I especially like, you know, into the name of the kid that she's mostly helping out with who actually goes to daycare, by the way. So like, you know, she, she drops them off and picks them up and hangs out with them like when they're not at school. But anyway, so I was like, shocker. But yeah, she was like, I talked to the other old pairs and she's like, honestly, a lot of them just they're just here for like being in the US. So I think to me, I think there's a lot of, I, I hear other people considering au pairs and they have this like very idealized like image, not you, Jeanette, but like people who have never encountered an au pair were like, oh, I'll bring this au pair here and they will take care of my child for like whatever the maximum 45 hours a week. And then like, oh, it's only $200 a week compared to, you know, insert however amount for like a full-time like adult nanny, right? No, it's not like that. And if you think like that, you are going to be sorely disappointed. I have, I know people who have thought like that and oh boy, <laughs> like did not work out. So I think that's just something that was really important for me to realize. And so for me and Nerev, we would not consider an au pair until both our kids are well into like daycare or, you know, kindergarten. And then we would just bring on an au pair, just kind of like as a big sister role, like, you know, someone who's there will hang out with them when they're not at school, maybe like do some very light things around the house. But like my expectations after talking to all my friends who've had both positive and negative au pair experiences are like, 
decreased. They're like almost very zero. Like my 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 only expectation is, or sorry, not only, but like my minimum expectations, just like the kid, just like kids. I was like, that has to be a, like a non-negotiable, which I didn't realize oh, it was like something that I should have to look out for before. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So when I, when we shared <laughs> the experience with some of our friends who had slightly older kids, had had more au pairs and we're like, yeah, you know, we just didn't have like a very good experience. Like it didn't really seem like she really wanted to like hang out with Ruth. This one person was like, oh yeah, that seems pretty average. You know, you know, as in like confirming what you're saying, right, which is that in her experience, a lot of the au pairs, and I think this person has had maybe like seven au pairs, you know, already, like, so she's like, yeah, they like most of the au pairs that I've had don't seem particularly like interested in children. And, and, and so I agree with you. I think the way that I'm thinking about it now is like, Hopefully, if this year works out, then we'll probably, I mean, I think as long as we can afford it, like we'll probably try to have one. I think it'll be really helpful once the kids start school because because school ends at like 2.30, 3, 3.30 or whatever, right? And so they can, the au pair can pick them up from school. They can take them to after school activities or bring them home, give them a snack, supervise after school activities, stuff like that, right? And so I, I think that, and I think maybe we won't need that when our youngest is like, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, but, but kind of in those middle years, I think it would still be pretty helpful, but, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think like the worst case scenario, maybe this is not the worst case scenario, but like, if you think in terms of percentiles, maybe like not the worst, worst, but the 20th, 30th percentile experiences, you have a 19 year old who's hanging out on your couch, looking at cat videos all day, and they are supposed to be interacting with your kid but they seem utterly uninterested in doing anything, you know, and you kind of like, <laughs> it's like, because, because <laughs> I, 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 have, like, I have heard, what? I, I have heard it's like, you know, there, there's been, I've, I've heard stories of like au pair experiences where she's just like, I'm not really sure why I have this person in my house. It's like, I, I just have another teenager that I somehow didn't raise, you know, like that, that could be the other end of the experience where, yeah. yeah. Janet, your friend who had the seven au pairs, some of whom were mediocre or like average at best, what kept her going to keep? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you get hooked onto the teenager. Yep. (laughs) Well, so the thing is, I think for this person, there were a couple of different considerations. So she is Turkish American. So she got all of her au pairs mainly from Turkey because ah, she wants language. her, yeah, the language, right? So she wants her to kids to be able to speak Turkish. And so one of the benefits of having an au pair is that there's another person who speaks Turkish in the house and her and her husband also travel like a good bit for work. And so, you know, when you have only one parent and two very young kids, even if it's somebody who's like, you know what I mean? If it's somebody who at least has two hands and can follow basic instructions, that can still be helpful. You know what I mean? And that person's trapped in your house. I mean, not really trapped, but like they live in your house, right? So like they're there. Right, right. And so I think this person also had like full-time daycare, but this per the au pair was doing mainly like mornings and evenings, Mm. right? And so it's like, I am helping my older child wipe his butt. My younger child has just spilled over a cup of milk please go get a napkin, bring it over, wipe the table, you know, like, Mm. you know, can this person do this? Like, yes. Okay. That's like a kind of a low bar, but it still can be helpful. And I think for this person, the trade-off was just like, it was still largely worth it, but yeah, it's not a, like a freaking Mary Poppins situation. Yeah. She, she ruined it for everybody. I mean, and, and just picking up the toys. Yes. My God, it is very helpful for someone to do it. Not you. Yeah. Um, so, okay, wait, given all this, Kate, are you in or are you out? Yeah, I think once the girls are a little older, like maybe when Leela's in preschool in a couple of years, we would consider, we would consider it again, I think initially. So my thought would have been more like your friend, Jeanette, where I would want to find an au pair from China. However, just after hearing all the stories of just au pairs in general, I realized I'm going to revise my, my requirement to liking kids first and then the language comes second because for me, like I can provide that language environment for my kid. I just like, 
I don't know. I think it'd be really hard if somebody didn't like his, even if they but how are you going to know around the house, but how are you going to really know? That's true. I think like, I mean, who's going to say like, I actually don't like kids. I actually well, just want to ask the them that question directly. <laughs> right. But like, I feel like when you talk to somebody, you can kind of tell like if they're a sense of, they have a sense of responsibility, like if they're a responsible person or like, you know, just- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can really tell. I, okay. If it's when your kids are older, maybe they could do a zoom call and be like, all right, why don't you well, interact with my well, kid for five minutes? Well, no, no. So here's the thing. I, I do think language is really important. So I would only feel comfortable recruiting the old pair in one of the three, la- four languages that my husband and I know, which would be Spanish, because he speaks fluent Spanish. French, I speak fluent French or Mandarin, which is me again, and English, which is both of us. Because I realize sometimes when you're doing interviews with someone who's, you know, maybe their language, their native language isn't one that you speak. It Sometimes it's hard to have things come through. And I know this personally from interviewing Chinese candidates for, for work and also for our nannies that like, there are things that come across in Mandarin, like subtleties that Nerv would never be able to catch if they were, well, hypothetically, even if they could speak English, right? So I, I actually think the interview process, that language aspect is something people don't, I haven't heard people talk about, but I actually do think is really important just based on my personal experiences interviewing other people who don't speak English, but I speak their you know, native language. So yeah, I mean, I, I it's nothing's foolproof. You're right, Susan. But I feel like some of these things you can kind of, and, or even some of the signs, right? Like where I think Jeanette, when you mentioned, like, I hope this is not going to be too un-PC, but your current au pairs from Mexico, just based on some of the things around her, just her background, it seems like she comes from like a poor Mexico, like a upper middle-class probably, or at least very much a very, very middle, like comfortable. Yeah, relatively back- comfortable yes. and affluent family. It, exactly. And then and then culturally, when you know what it's like to be comfortable in Mexico financially, there are also like other things around that upbringing where like she probably grew up having help around the house, right? Or like maybe, you know, like, at, like upper middle class or middle class in Mexico is not necessarily the same as in the United States, right? Or even in China, like if somebody is, you know, upper middle class in China, you can afford like a cook, you know, cook. You can afford somebody. So basically a person that comes from China from that background, I would not necessarily assume that they would be able to do laundry or do these other things. Also, I know many things about kids who come from those kind of family backgrounds in China. Anyway, I'm just saying there's like a lot also cultural context that you can potentially apply to kind of understand that are not direct questions like, do you like kids? Can you fold laundry? Of course, if they can't fold laundry, they're going to say, of course I can fold laundry, you know, but it's hard. Like if you don't, <laughs> if you they're, make- they're, they're going to cram like the day before on YouTube being like how to fold laundry. Yeah, you just, you. I have to go through their file and look for those hints, right? But it entails you knowing something about the cultural context from whence they come. But I think a lot of families, host families here don't necessarily know, right? And also involves, let's say, profiling, okay? It may not always be correct. I'm sure oh, yeah, totally. kids, okay. right? Can I just Sorry, add a comment oh, here? Oh, gonna... <laughs> Give me an example. Yeah, some, like I encountered this one host mom who also is a serial au pair program participant she's white she only gets au pairs from thailand okay oh this already sounds very racist but well, okay go I on don't, she, no, okay going. so she, she's a single mom and she told me that having these au pairs are better this is her quote verbatim are better than having a husband okay but she only gets her au pairs from thailand why because she feels like the she likes the au pairs from Thailand. We did not get into why she likes au pairs from Thailand, but she only gets au pairs from Thailand. I'm not against that statement. You know, like, I, okay, look, I, I'm not, we're probably not going to ever get one. Marvin really likes his personal space. He does not like other people other than me and Art, just in general. He's a cat, <laughs> right? So like, so, because originally when, when COVID was going down and I was like, and no help was coming, I was like, oh my God, is there Asian auntie.com? Like, how do I just like hire an Asian auntie to come, make some food, make sure everything's clean. Like we all have the same expectations, hopefully. And then boom, they're gone. Or maybe they live with us or something like that. And he was like, hell the F no. He, it was like no consideration. Like I know au pair would never fly for him. Right. But like part of me wanting Asian auntie was that for the most part, this is maybe this is totally racist. We just had certain expectations of what cleanliness looked like or what things should taste like or just clearing things, you know, like I just, 
anticipation of other people's needs. Yeah, okay. I'm like, okay, these Thai au pairs have grown up with the Asian daughter complex. I'm not going to have to underscore things. Oh, so so they're going to know. The, here's the important question, though, Susan, and this is actually a burning desire to know the answer. Is it racist if you're Asian and you think that? What is it worse? Better, worse at the same. If you're Asian, so Susan, you're Vietnamese, whatever. At, if you think that about the Thai au pairs versus if you're a white lady thinking that about the Thai au pairs, or is it all the same? Oh God, that's complicated. I'm I know. I'm sorry. Sure. It's a very loaded I, question. I'm not sure. I just don't want to pay the eight thousand dollar fee twice, <laughs> three times to experiment. Whatever. Like I just like. I want if I actually went through this entire process, I actually want this to make my life easier. So you would get the Thai au pair. Well, now that I know this, maybe I will definitely interview a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, I don't want to make my life harder. Also, I mean, the other thing is like having more Asian people around art. That's cool, right? Like Seattle, 70% white. Like having more Asian people around him, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But again, if I were to actually go through this process, I need it to make my life easier. And if I really want to ha- be a host mom and do a cultural exchange, I would have an exchange student. I would totally know that's a different role. This is this is it. This role is supposed to make my life easier. Is it making my life easier? Because I I just I don't I can't. Well, I mean, it's not just the au pair program, right? I mean, like I feel like sometimes I ask that question of myself, even with my kids' daycare, where you know, with which <laughs> with which like I am like fairly you know overall happy with, and I think objectively, I think it's like it does provide more hours and also has good teachers relative to many other daycare options available in Seattle. But there are still times when I'm like, wow, I'm paying a lot of money and I'm still spending time doing X, right? And so, so I think au pair is the same thing, right? You're just like, I definitely like while I'm driving around setting something up for this person, I'm like, why am I doing this again? I thought that this was supposed to save me time or whatever. You yeah, know, so it's like everything. I think yeah, any so kind of child, right, child exactly. any kind of pro- even our live in nanny, you know, I, I spend a lot of time doing stuff for her, like helping her set up a bank account, helping her do dental appointments, helping her, you know, like it's part I, I was kind of annoyed in the beginning and then I realized it's just all part of the package. And yeah, you know, like she does some off duty stuff for me. So it's sort of but I think it's like the expectation that I feel like if if you are considering an au pair to our listeners and you expect that it's just gonna be like somebody comes then this is you know and then great and I can go oh off. no yeah don't, don't either adjust your expectations or don't get an au pair because I I know people who have had that mindset and it's just been like they were just shocked you know and so we're doing you a favor letting you know <laughs> wait, okay got it so wait here's my big concern I've got a few more big concerns <laughs> so many it's, concerns well it's so like, funny because like why I'm, are we doing this so can you because both of you have help that lives in your house can you ever relax like do you feel comfortable in your house with someone who's not a family origin I mean not to say if someone with family origin will make you more comfortable in your house but like they are you this is a new person living in your house now. Can you actually relax? You know what mm. I mean? Be like, yeah, I'm not wearing a bra right now. I'm just wearing a bathrobe. Like, not hopefully not like Harvey Weinstein-y or Steeny, whatever, but like more like, can you really truly be mm. at home in your home now that you have this new person living here? That's a great question, Susan. I think it's something that I was very concerned about before I started having live-in help, which is the first person was our postpartum nanny. Like, two years ago. And I'm actually, I used to always think I was like Marvin. I don't like people in my space. Like I like my own, you know, but actually I think it's very person dependent, I would say. Well, I don't know about Marvin. I can't speak for him, but I think for me, it really depends on the personality and the dynamic. So for the two people who've lived in our house as help, you know, our postpartum nanny, they're actually both very different personalities. And so I think, you know, our postpartum nanny, she's only here for a couple of months, but she, she's just really easy to get along with really fun. And so it felt like having like a fun auntie member in the house and you know so so I didn't feel I don't know how it'd feel about her living with us long long term but you know for that period that's how that's how it felt and she knew not to you know because she would always be with the baby and then she'd go to the bedroom and so she wasn't like running around so Nirvana and I actually had a lot of time to just hang out and do our thing so I didn't feel but she wasn't like like 
putting her feet up on the couch and lying down. I mean, is it, no, these are things like, hard. do you yes. have to tell the person who's no, about to move super... into your house? Like, yeah. I don't want you to just like lie down on the couch and be eating donuts and spreading crumbs all over. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah, saying. No, because, because I think she's a highly paid professional. So she was like always busy with the baby. She like never did it. The only time she did that was when like, Raya was sleeping and then she, my mom and I would watch Chinese dramas together, but that's why it kind of felt like a Chinese auntie situation, you know, but, but I think that's unique. And also she was so pro, she was like cooking for us, cleaning around, you know what I mean? So you can't compare that to an au pair for sure. Cause like, you know, and then with our current nanny, she's actually has a totally different personality. She's very quiet. She's very unobtrusive. She, I actually have to encourage her to like go sit in these places. And I, you know, as Nara put it, he's like, you know, put yourself in her shoes. Like, yes, she's being paid a lot of money, but she, this also isn't her like where, you know, isn't her home slash she always has to kind of be careful. And so I would say our current nanny is like very extra considerate of that. And because she's really quiet and likes to do her own thing, which is not actually the case with a lot of Chinese nannies. So we actually, it, it feels, it feels more natural, but I know that not everybody is like that. So I would have to say that it's like a very person slash dynamic dependent situation. Okay, wait, wait, what are the ages of both of those people? So the older, the, our postpartum nanny who was with us for a couple of months, she is in her mid fifties, mid to late fifties. And then our current nanny is 49, but she's a very young 49. Everybody thinks she's. Oh, oh she's yeah. She doesn't she, look 49. She, no. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, you guys have seen her. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. 39. 36. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, okay. Asianauntie.com again, like it's like, <laughs> and both were both of them previously mothers or no? Yeah. Yeah. They both have kids. You get what I'm saying? Like, they know to help and how to help. Like, it just, and also one person. Also, they're getting, getting paid up the wazoo, too. You know, this okay, like the but profession you know what? versus okay, an au pair. Kate, now, though, I understand those ladies deserve, I know it's expensive, but they yeah. deserve it. Because yeah. not only in this moral sense, like, they deserve to be paid, but in the market sense. You know what I mean? Like, Somebody who's detail-oriented, conscientious, doesn't have to be told in excruciating detail everything that needs to be done, that person deserves to be fucking paid. Right. So you're going to pay the cost. You're going to pay the cost somewhere, right? So if it's yes cheaper labor, and then maybe you're going to have to pick up or like teach and do all this stuff, yep. like you're paying the cost somewhere, right? Yes. There's no okay, right decision. I think that's a really good way of putting it, Susan. It's like, there's no right decision. It's just you have, but you have to understand what you're paying for is what you get. Sort of, but not always. Not always. But, okay, not, so always. not always. But, but, but not always. Extent, like, if you expect, if you are going into this au pair thing because you think it's an inexpensive way to get like childcare, that is a very, I would say, I will say flat out, I think that is a very poor. Well, it depends on what you expect. I mean, I've like oh. this person that I had before, you know, the one who didn't work out, I was asking her about her previous situation. She was taking care of like three or four kids in a very rural area of the country. She had them for like 10 hours every day oh. by herself. And like her host family just like, I was like, what did you eat for lunch? She's like, she had literally peanut butter jelly sandwiches every single day. <gasps> she and the kids. Okay. So it's just like, what, what, like, also like, what are you willing to accept? Right? Like this family, I don't know what their situation is. I don't know anything really about them, but they were like, okay, leaving their four kids with this person who kept them alive and by all accounts kept them safe. And just ate peanut butter jelly sandwiches with this woman that I didn't, I didn't think she was like that great with kids for 10 hours every single day for a whole year. Right. So it's like, what, oh, what are you okay. willing to accept? Yes. I guess your own expectations of childcare. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Kate, just for your, your amazing experience, how much ballpark are we talking about a year? Uh, for the live-in nanny or for the postpartum? Nanny? Both. Okay. So postpartum nannies now run insanely high. They're like 7,000 a month plus 20% tip, not even a month, 26 days, the price inflation. We got a better rate from our nanny because, you know, we're an old repeat client, but like their wages increased, like, but she's also on call 24 hours a day. She cooks and she takes care of your kid also at night. That's okay. like, so if you added a night doula plus a day doula together, that'd be like way more than what you'd be paying. Okay. Okay. So full service. Her. So I'm just yes. understanding my zone of possible agreement, my Zopa of like yes. what care could cost like, okay. Yeah. And so our current nanny, she's on the more expensive side. So they charge by day because they don't always work. Well, most of them want to work every day, but basically she's $220 a day, which oh, is damn. why, yeah, which is why, and, and let me tell you what she does. She gets up at 630 AM, makes breakfast. And she's basically with us helping us out until like 7 PM. At the going rate of $30, $25 to $30 an hour for a nanny, like that doesn't live in your house, right? In the Seattle area, I think for her caliber, it would be $30 because yeah, that seems to have, be how much it goes. There's no way 
like, you know, and the cost isn't even comparable, right? If you think about it, like she's here, she's helping us out 12 hours a day. And then if you pay 12 times $30, that's $360 a day. Yeah, and she's 220, right? Because, but, but we, but we give her, you know, she lives here and then we feed okay. her and there are other costs, but whatever, you know, like the convenience of it is way right. worth. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So what I'm hearing now, difference of Kate's situation versus Jeanette is also age, right? Because Jeanette, the au pairs you had were all in their early twenties, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I think there is also like, I mean, this is so complex, right? I mean, I think that there is an aspect of it where I think that's Kate and I'd be interested to hear what you think, but I think like the ethnicity part, it plays into it too, because there just isn't, I mean, there are Korean postpartum nannies, but there's not, there's not like a huge pool of Korean aunties, grandmas running around doing this kind of thing. Not that I know of. Right. And so, you know, the Chinese American community in the U S is like much bigger than the Korean Mm -hmm. American community. And also I think like Korea, it's a smaller country. I know China has also grown really fast economically, but just because of its vastness, there is this still like large pool of people who are available for this kind of work. And I would say in the Korean slash Korean American community, that pool has become a lot, lot, lot smaller. And so, you know, even if I wanted, I don't think like I could access the Chinese nanny pool slash like I couldn't even talk to those ladies. Right. And so, and the Korean American pool is also like very, very thin. So it also depends on kind of your networks, right. And your affiliation groups. Whereas like for me, I don't think that the choice is really between getting like a Korean American auntie and versus like a no pair, right? The choices for me are more like um, daycare, um, au pair program. I had a Russian American woman coming in her early 30s who was like coming to help me out for a couple hours a week. And she was actually really great. But like those are kind of the, you know, the pools of help that I'm sourcing. Mm. Okay, wait, can we can we just get on the real real here about okay age like, oh, yeah. I know where you're going oh yeah because you should go there yeah yeah let's go know, there like which is like oh my god some whether she's hot or not she's in her early 20s let's go back to the au pair program right <laughs> early 20s supple like <laughs> no stretch marks no emotional scars so much that I can detect yet right around just like you know, coupling, changing your identity once, you know, you're, you become a mom and imploding your sense of freedom and your desires and losing your sense of anything. Like she got none of it and she's here and she's hanging out in America and like, Hey, you know, and I'm like, I don't like, I'm like, can I screen for like unattractive older au pairs? Like, am I so vain? But I think there's an age cap, isn't there? Yeah, there's an age cap. I think you have to be, it's like Hmm. you have to be at least 18. And I think you cannot be older than, I think, like 26. You have to be between 18 and 26. Okay, so anyway, so some hot girl moves into my house with my husband. And I I, I don't have those (laughs) doubts about Marvin. And slash, you know, Marvin's never going to actually want a stranger in the house. But say it all happened. (laughs) And like, I'm on an artist retreat. And like, she just like does his bidding and like takes care of things without complaint because she's getting paid. And then like, all of a sudden, like, I find out like they have a secret child together. Like, that's where my mind goes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Did you guys ever see that Amy Schumer, she had, she, when she hosted SNL a couple of years ago, they had this skit where she was married to this guy, but like whoever she got to help for childcare, the husband was like fucking, but it was supposed to be a joke. But the joke was like, she got a nanny and he was like sleeping with her. He got no pair or she got no pair and she was sleeping. She like got her parents and he was sleeping with them. He got like his parents and he was sleeping. You know? That's good. That's yeah, good. it was really like, I mean, just kind of in that like very morbid, um, but hilarious, kind of hilarious. My husband was like, why do you think this is funny? I'm like, I think this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, is that like the like? Is that terrible for me to even wonder? No, that? I don't think it's that weird because remember Tiger Woods, his first wife Ellie Norton. I don't know if I'm butchering her name, Ellie Nordgren. She was actually on the au pair program, but as an au pair to I think Phil Mickelson or some other famous golfer, and that's how she met Tiger Woods. Granted, she wasn't banging her own boss, but like she did meet you know hot, famous, rich Tiger Woods by being an au pair. 
Oh, yeah. And recently, I also learned that Ethan Hawke, he had, so I was watching this documentary that he produced, but his current wife was an au pair to the children, his and Uma Thurman's children. Oh, I remember they he were cheated together. on Uma Thurman. With, yeah, with, with their like au pair, I think, I or their nanny or something. So yeah, I think that it's real. I mean, I think like anybody, I think it's totally gaslighting to tell a woman or a mom that says like, this insecurity that you feel is totally in your head. I once heard that it's like, you know, there's just like this biological tension whenever there's more than one woman of child reproducing age in a household, right? And they're not like mother-daughter. And so I think that that concern is valid. I don't think it does anybody any help to say it's like somehow, you know, you're like being a paranoid, crazy woman. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm kind of like, whoa, you told me about the process. You told me how things can't work out, that, oh, God, life expectations, uh, cultural influence. And, uh, and then and then also the hot factor of just like, you know, she's got eggs. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, fresh eggs. Yeah, fresh eggs. And I'm just like, oh, this this makes me anxious. Makes yeah really anxious and then that's why I'm like it's the cost that you're you're gonna pay the cost somewhere right and like then I'm just kind of like you know what paying I don't know a house manager to do something they arrive and do stuff and it's very clear expectation then they leave your house maybe that is worth it you know what I mean like I don't know all I'm saying is I'm just kind of like Asian yeah I mean, com. yeah I mean I think that that was something Maybe that wasn't like an explicit criteria that I was like advertising on our family profile. Like, please do not, uh, please do not accept my invite if you are too hot. But, but, but it is something that, you know, I, I think I was kind of screening for, like in the sense of like, am I going to feel anxious having this person in my house? Can I leave the house without feeling like stressed out about it? Right. I mean, and I think it's like, it's like physical appearance, but it's also other things, right? It's like their personality, like, yeah, the sense of the kind of person they are, their, what, how you think they're going to behave, right? Like, like, is this person going to be going between the bathroom and their bedroom, like, with just a towel draped around their Although hard to body? for that. Hard to Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well... But there's like, but, but it is like, but like you said, Kate, right. You can maybe get a sense yeah. without asking like, well, when you take a shower at, when you come out of your bathroom, like, how are you, how are, how does that work? Look, right. Look, okay. The meta issue is about trusting your husband and, and how your relationship is. And, you know, like, this isn't just like, it's all on the au pair or all on yeah, your husband. Yeah. Like there's, well, but also I'm like, you need to wear pants. Right, like you can't walk around in your boxers. And I think for Jake, it's, he's pretty used to that because he's lived with my mom, and even before my mom, we've had other housemates. So it's like we're kind of used to having other people around. But that, like, I'm just saying that those things also matter, like how people are going to behave, and the signals that they send intentionally or unintentionally or subconsciously or consciously. Right, like those things also matter a lot to me, and will lower or raise my level of anxiety. Look, it's not just hotness or thoughtfulness. There's a power dynamic here. You've paid someone to come into your house and basically you tell them what to do and then they're going to go do it. You oh, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, there's that too. And that doesn't go away whether you're hot or not. Like, Well, yeah, that's they... its own dimension, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm but doesn't saying. that like always exist? Like even if you get a nanny or like a house manager, there's always that kind of like, I'm asking you to do something and maybe I have more power in this situation because I am hiring you. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. So anyways, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think... To sum it up, I would say it's not a definite no, because obviously, like, I am still in the program, and I am hoping that it will work out, and I think this one will. 
But it's also not like a definite, obvious yes, I think, for everyone, right? There is work involved, probably more work than you would like, and maybe things should happen. And you also have to like, it really, the, the quality of candidates, I would say, ranges very, very widely. And, uh, and it depends on your family, right? Like, your family dynamics, even the setup of your house, right? Like our house, the way it's set up now is particularly conducive to this because we have a bedroom on a separate floor than the, the other bedrooms. So the au pair kind of has a separate area of the house she can be in. I think it might feel different if all the bedrooms were clustered right next to each other. So, I mean, it really, you know, I think that it really depends on the particulars of a of, of every family situation. What about you, Kate? You still? I would still consider it, but I think knowing all this additional information and just, I think it has to be a carefully considered decision based on your family circumstances and expectations. And it's just not as simple as I think when I initially heard about the au pair program and got excited, right? I think it's a good thing though to 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 think about what's right for your family and also just think about the, all of the possible scenarios right like there it could be a really great scenario or even despite your best efforts sometimes things don't work out i would not just like with anything i think don't pin your hopes on just one thing right and expect it to work out like Jeanette mentioned with the whole daycare situation right even a great daycare sometimes you still have to do a lot of work for it because for example i apparently our daycare which is christian doesn't celebrate halloween and so there's no halloween costume day however instead of a halloween costume day there's a fashion design day guess what we have to do for it we have to have the child pick a costume they want to make then we have to make it at home with them using preferably preferentially preferentially upcycled materials and then create a poster board of the whole process including photos of how the costume was made and then send the poster board and the costume to the kid to school on Halloween I'm like just please just have them wear a fucking Halloween costume I know you're a Christian school but like FML who could end up doing all of that me anyway sorry that was just a side rant but you know, and I love the school. I love the school, right? But there's just, I, I, I will not withdraw her from the school just because I have to make a stupid fashion week costume for her. But just understanding that even with something great that you most of the time really enjoy, there are going to be shitty moments where you're just like, screw this. I want out. But then you don't really go out because you realize, okay, everything, even our husbands, they're, there's, you know, they're really great sometimes and they really fucking suck other times. Sorry, husband. Don't, he's gonna get mad at me I was supposed to it's part of our agreement I'm supposed to like bash you're working, him less you're work, yeah, I'm working you're working on it. on it I'm not saying you did anything specific nerve I'm just saying in general sometimes okay yeah. so anyway my point is even great things suck sometimes yeah you pay the toll somewhere we hope you found something helpful reassuring or interesting in this episode of model minority moms if you enjoyed the episode please help us spread the word by texting a friend about our show or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to connect with us, please visit our website at modelminoritymoms.com or follow us on Instagram where we love receiving messages from our listeners.